0: You are listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times, and how you can connect, please visit CrosspointChurchTX.org. All right, church, if y'all have not met Miss Maggie yet, y'all need to meet her before y'all leave today. Um, sh- just a saint. Um, love Miss Maggie. Um, my name is Mike Cooper. It's glad to. I'm glad to be here. It's nice to nice to see you. We're finishing up the book of Ephesians. Uh, Pastor Chris has deemed this study masterpiece in progress. How many of you think of yourselves as a masterpiece? Yes. Man, we're at the end. Everybody think you should think of themselves as a masterpiece now. We're all. A masterpiece. We're all uh, work. We're all part of God's plan. He has shaped us and molded us into who He wants us to be. And so, and just in case there was any confusion, you are. A masterpiece. You are a work in progress. You are a work of art, and I'm excited to be able to finish out this this series with you. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter six, looking at the armor of God. The last uh, song that we sang, there was a verse that we we kept saying over and over and over again, says, "I want to see a what? I want to see a victory." Okay, how many of you, there are areas in your life that you would love to be victorious in? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you really want to be victorious in those areas? Okay, are we all on the same page? Okay, and so what it, what it requires of us to be victorious is to do what God has asked us to do. What it requires of us is for us to put our faith and trust in him because who does the battle belong to? Battle belongs to God, okay? He works through us. He gives us the strength. He gives us the ability to be able to handle what's coming our way. The video that we just saw is uh, there's somebody sneaking around trying to defeat what we're trying to accomplish. There's somebody out there who wants to destroy what God is trying to accomplish. And there's a passage in Scripture, a couple of verses I want to read to you real quick. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 says be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. His plans for you church is not good. His plans for you is to utterly destroy your life. John chapter 10 verse 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy those. That's his M.O. That is his plan of attack. That's his three-pronged attack mode for you. Nothing good is going to come from what Satan wants to bring into your life. When I worked in, in uh, at I, I wasn't in college. I worked in a place called the, the Coliseum. It wasn't what you think of when you think of Coliseum. It was basically a smelly basketball gymnasium uh, on a large scale. And I was responsible, me and a a group of guys were responsible for cleaning up the entire Coliseum. The stands that everybody sat in when they left their drinks and their popcorn, the bathrooms. And then part of it that really nobody ever gets to see is the locker rooms where all the athletes would come, the the visiting teams, the basketball teams, volleyball teams, whoever would come in. But this one particular day we were cleaning up. And I found these pieces of paper sitting on the stools in the visiting locker room, and, and I initially just picked them up, threw them in the trash can, picked them up, threw them in the trash can. And then I got to to looking at what it was, and it was it was titled "Plan of Attack" at the top of the page. And what it did, it had every player from from Sam Houston State had their name, had their number, had their kind of their bio, what was, what they were about. It told. What, how many points they averaged per game. It told how many assists, assists they had per game, how many steals they had, how many rebounds they had, how to defend them, to push them to the left if they were right-handed because they couldn't dribble as good with their left hand, all of this. And so I'm sitting there thinking, you know what, in high school, I never got that. I was one to think, you know what, I know high school coaches are overworked and they have so many responsibilities, but I was thinking – Man, if I was back in high school and I had the information that these guys had to be able to defend their to do their job on the basketball court, how different that might have been. So this morning I I was thinking or in preparation for this message, how how interesting would it be if we knew how to defend what Satan was going to do? And what's amazing, church, is the Scripture tells us how we are to defend that, how we are to protect ourselves to make sure that we resist... What satan is trying to do and that is to still kill and destroy and so we're going to look at a passage in ephesians chapter 6 this morning Verses 10 through 17 and we're going to finish out this this chapter uh, this particular series of of, um, This masterpiece in progress that we've been that we've been talking about and so hopefully when you leave this morning There is zero doubt in your mind that that you are a masterpiece that you are a specific Child of God, that God has a wonderful plan for, that He wants to use you. He wants to accomplish incredible things, and, and and He wants you to be victorious in life along the way. He doesn't want you to just make it through life. He wants you to have victory. Remember at the verse, end of verse John 10:10 10, 10, it says, I've come that you may have life and that you have it abundantly. So he doesn't want us just to kind of make it through by the skin of our teeth. He wants us to live a victorious life. And so let's look at this real quick. Ephesians chapter 6, looking at verses 10 through 17. It says finally as Paul's finishing out this book it says finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you give us the the knowledge, you give us the uniform, the, the appropriate dress to be able to defend ourselves against the, the arrows of the evil one. Father, be with us now as we as we share this word, as we look at this word, as we read Your word, Father, and how it applies to us, so that we can be prepared for the schemes of the evil one. We pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, when I was preparing this, I got to looking at all the different pieces of the armor that we put on, and I got to I got to thinking, you know what? We could actually really probably do about eight messages, how to prepare for this, know your enemy, all the different specific elements of the armor that we can put on. And I said, you know what? We don't have that kind of time. And so just... Be with me if, if I don't um, cover in as detail as what you might think that would be necessary for this. But I encourage you, once, once you once you finish, listen to the message and, and maybe God speaking to you this week. Just kind of go on, do your own study about what this may look like in your own life. Some areas that you are comfortable with this particular piece of armor. And then maybe those pieces of armor that you're not as familiar with or you're not as comfortable with so that you can fine tune so that you can sure up, make sure that you're prepared, that you don't have a, a chink or a weak spot in your armor. Because listen, Satan knows, he knows our weaknesses. Anybody attest to that? Anybody understand that he knows what our weaknesses are? Oh my goodness. There's a passage in in uh, Luke chapter 22. They've just uh, finished the Lord's Supper. Jesus is talking to, to Simon Peter and Jesus knows what's in front of him. And he's telling the disciples that I'm about, to, I'm about to be arrested. I'm about to be crucified. I'm about to die. And Peter, being the, the vocal of all the disciples, he says, listen, that's not going to happen. Not on, my, not on my watch. And he says, listen, he says I don't know about the rest of these guys, um, but Jesus, you can, you can count on me. I'm not going to let you down. As a matter of fact, I'm willing to go to prison for you. I'm ready to die for you. And Jesus says something to Peter that should have really just opened his eyes. He says, he says, Peter, Satan has come to me and he's asked me to be able to sift you like wheat. Can't imagine if Jesus appears to me right now and says, hey, Mike, Satan has come to me and says, listen, I want to test him. I want to do whatever I can to get to him. That would have been an eye-opener, hopefully for me, should be an eye-opener for us. And then Jesus responds, and he, he continues on, and he says, You know what I'm, you know I'm going to do for you, Peter? I'm, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. And again, that should be step number two, thinking, holy cow. It's about to get real. Satan wants to shift me, sift me like wheat, he want, and then Jesus is going to pray for me. And then it just compounds, and, and then Jesus says, And when you turn back again strengthen your brothers. And so he told him what was about to happen to him. But I want you to hear this morning is that nothing can happen to you. No, but Satan can't come to you. He can't infiltrate your life. He can't touch you without God knowing what's about to happen to you. Okay. And so this last song that we just sang, uh, I, I'm going to see a victory. We can see a victory, church, knowing that if we do what God has asked us to do, rely on his strength, put on this armor, that we can have victory, that there won't be these weak spots in our life where Satan wants to come in and steal and kill and destroy. We can stand in confidence each and every day that we can have victory. Okay, I know that's a maybe not a thought that we think about all the time that we can live this life and we can be victorious each day, but I promise you if you do what God has asked you to do that you can live in victory, that you can live in that promise and that you can live in confidence. And so let's look at these these uh pieces of this armor kind of kind of quickly. The first one that is mentioned there is the belt of truth. It it actually is the last piece of the armor that is put on by a Roman soldier. And and I want to kind of um And this is kind of a cartoonish kind of version, but it kind of gives us an idea of maybe what Paul was seeing every day. The end of Ephesians tells us that he is in he's in jail, he's in prison and he was chained or confined and he saw a a guy like this every day, saw the armor, saw the equipment that, that he had on. And so he knew what this soldier looked like. And so the very last thing that a soldier would put on would be his belt. He'd had everything else on, the breastplate, the helmet, the shoes, and then he would basically cinch up, he would tie, he would confine all those things that were loose to make sure that they were form-fitting. And the belt that he wore was more something what we would see today as a, as a weightlifter's belt, a lot wider. Because what it would do is it would protect his, his lower abdomen area from a punch or a, a, a knife or a sword. And so it was really, really thick, hard leather. And so Paul sees this. He sees these pieces of equipment. He says, man, said, what does that look like for for the church. What does that look like that we can take this image and protect ourselves with some armor? And he says, you know what, let's put on this belt of truth. And what does God's word tell us about truth? And says, Jesus says, and John says, I am the way the truth and the life and no one gets to the father except through me. And so he makes it real clear is that this truth that that protects our, our, this section of our body is it has to be wrapped up in who Jesus is, that he is the ultimate. He is the way there's no other way. He's the truth. There's no deception. There's no false teaching in him. He is who he says he is. And so as a church As a, as a body of believers, church, we have to embrace that Jesus is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he's going to do. In John chapter 8, verse 32, it says that you shall know the truth and what will the truth do for you? It'll set you free. Okay. And man, I'm telling you, there is if, if if there's any good news that you want today, it's that Jesus is going to set you free. He's going to set you free from the things that you've struggled with in the past. He's going to give you a victory each and every day, but you have to acknowledge that he is the truth. There are lots of things out on social media these days, lots of things on the media that we see on TV that try to tell us what truth obviously is not. And the way that we distinguish between what is false, blatantly false, and what truth is, is we match it up against God's word. And so we have to make sure, church, that we understand what truth is and then stand firmly. If you read through this passage with me, you saw three or four times that Paul says, stand, stand, stand firm, stand strong. And so that's that as a church church. That's what we need to be doing, making sure that we are standing together and that we're standing strong because Satan is alive and active and he wants to still kill and destroy. second thing I want you to see is this breastplate of righteousness that this soldier will put on. It was on the underside. We really can't see a whole lot. It was total leather. And then what they would do is they would tack these pieces of thin metal on top of it around the shoulders in front. And what it obviously did is self-explanatory. When you look at the picture, is it protected the most important organs. It protected what was up front, the heart, the the upper stomach, where all the, the vital organs are. And so as, as a Christian, we need to understand that we have to protect ourselves. We have to protect what's most important. It protects us from, and this idea of protecting ourselves is what is the thing that, that attacks us most every single day, every, every person in this room? It's the the temptation of sin. And then your temptation of sin could be completely different than mine. It could It could be greed. It could be pride. It could be lust. It could be whatever it is. You kind of fill in the blank, but there is sin in our life that we have to protect ourselves from. Romans chapter 3, verse 22 says, righteousness is given through faith to those who believe in Jesus. And so I got to think about this righteousness. You know what? I try to think of myself as a nice guy. I try to think of myself as somebody who does the right thing. Most of the time, obviously, I'm not perfect. I'm not going to do the right thing all the time. And you can ask my family that they will attest to that. I have some very special people here this morning. So if you don't know me, you probably don't know my family, but they're in the back corner back here that I want you to meet them. Are my children, grandbabies, and their parents are here. And so special, special to me. But I try to think of myself as a nice guy, a good guy. But in comparison to the Word, in comparison to God, in comparison to this righteousness, how much righteousness do we have even on our very best day? Okay? You see that right there? For those that are at home, that's none. We are we have no righteousness of our own. we are there's nothing good enough in us in and of ourselves. We have to have a relationship with Jesus. We have to understand that He is the most important thing. This this armor that we're talking about makes no sense if you're not a child of God. You say, What do I need to protect myself from? I'm not I don't even I don't even there may not even be a hell. There may not be a heaven. There may not be a God. I know that there are people when I first came to church God was a, a very foreign thing for me. And so some people come to church and they come with questions. They come with doubts. And so Scripture is one of these things that we need to to look at and say, all right, God, what are you trying to show me in this? What are you trying to teach me in this? And the very first thing that we need to see is that we're not good enough on our own, that we need a Savior and this savior protects what's most important. And that's who we are. He protects Satan or Jesus protects this righteousness that he gives us each and every day. When we put on the armor of God, when we make sure that we're doing the things that we need to be doing, he protects us from the stuff that's coming at us, whether it's coming from work, whether it's coming. Sometimes it can come from home. Sometimes it can come from from unknown places we get as as a as a. Minister, sometimes we ministers will say something and then somebody in the audience will disagree. I know this never happens to Pastor Chris, um, but we'll say something up here sometime and we'll get a little email saying blah, 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 blah. You're wrong. OK, and so it's hard sometimes to hear negative comments. It's hard to hear negative criticism. And so if Satan knows that that's a weakness of ours, then even a little bitty word to somebody can can have monumental impacts on their life. And so we need to make sure that we're protecting ourselves. And the way that we do that is that we embrace this righteousness that it comes from God and it's not from ourselves. This third thing that I want us to look at is, is the, the shoes that are ready to... Let me read the scripture here. It says that in addition to um, verse 15 and with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Romans chapter 10 verses 14 and 15 says how beautiful are the feet of those who do what? Who bring the good news. What is the good news? The good news is the gospel. And the gospel is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the good news. And who is responsible for making sure that people hear the good news? I, I, didn't, I didn't hear that. What was that? Who, who's responsible? We are. Okay. As that's our responsibility, church, making sure that those people that we come in contact every day hear who Jesus is. They hear how good he is. He hears, they hear about the peace that God provides for us. Think about it just for a second. If you had the cure for some incurable disease and you held that to yourself, and you say, well, if it ever happens to me, then, then I'll be ready. Think about how selfish that would be, how, how detrimental that would be to people that were actually suffering from a disease like that. I want, to, I want you to understand, church, that a lot of times that's what happens because we have the cure for eternity. And that, cu- that cure is having a relationship with Jesus. Now, listen, sometimes we, we, we think that we have to, to, to get all cleaned up and start living a good life before we start coming to church. Um, Jesus talks about just the opposite. I said, listen, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. And so if there are some things in your life that I'm glad that you're here this morning, those may be listening at home. You're not, you're not here because you feel like there's some things in your life that are keeping you from coming to church. You have to get cleaned up to come to church. You come to church and allow God to do in your life what he wants to do. And if you all talk about that and you all come there and understanding about that and there's some change in your life, then then fantastic. But if not, then make sure that you're here. But, but church next Sunday is what is Easter. Okay. And you have an opportunity to maybe bring a friend who wouldn't normally come. You have an opportunity to bring a family member who maybe, maybe they're just kind of checking out this whole church thing and they're trying to figure out God, or maybe they've had a bad experience in the past with church or they they're angry with God about something. I believe with all my heart that, that Easter Sunday is a fantastic time for people to come back into church for the very first time in a long time just to be reminded that there's some good news in church, that there is some peace that happens when you have a relationship with God and you're surrounded with people that love him and that care about you. Okay, so we've talked about the belt of truth. We've talked about the breastplate of righteousness. We've talked about the shoes that are are ready to go share this good news about peace in people's lives. The fourth thing I want us to look at is this helmet of salvation, again, uh, fitted for the soldier, leather underneath, topped with some thin metal to keep um, protecting the the head. Obviously, the head is a a vital. um, It's vitally important to us to be able to protect ourselves if we can't think clearly. Remember, in junior high... We had these drills. I don't, I, I would assume that they still do these. We would line up across the, from each other and then the coach would blow the whistle and then the only thing that seemed to touch each other were face masks. Okay, and we would just hit our heads together as hard as we could, and you kind of bounce back, and and then they'd come up and tell you how good you did by doing what, by slapping you in the helmet, and then you go to the end of the line and you do the same thing over and over and over again. I remember getting hit one time and kind of getting my bell rung, and just kind of standing back, and things were moving, kind of kind of fuzzy and moving around, and and the coach had to grab me, set me down. And so this this helmet protecting our head is is critical. For our physicalness, but it's also it's important that we that we protect this what's under that helmet. And and Paul understands how critical it is that we use this properly. Okay, one of the one of the first things that Satan wants to do is he wants to cause doubt in our lives. He wants you to doubt your relationships. He wants you to doubt that your church really loves you. He wants you to doubt all kind of all kind of things. The passage in, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, God could send someone to stand right next to me, right here on this altar, on this podium, and say, You know what, Mike, you're not a Christian. And I would say, Satan, get away from me because I know that I know that I know that I'm a Christian. Okay? And so there are going to be some days in your life where you're going to wake up and you go, Man, my life has not turned out how I thought it would. There have been some things that have happened in my life. Am I really who I say I am? Am I really a Christian? And so that is the first step for Satan to kind of get in your mind to cause you to be thinking about some things that you don't need to be thinking about. If there is one thing that you need to be confident in as a child of God is that you are a child of God. Good days, bad days. You need to remember that you have been bought with a price and that you are a child of God. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, says Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by doing what? By renewing your mind. Sometimes, this happens to me, may not happen to you. Sometimes there are some things that enter this, like doubt, like anger, like pride, like frustration, that didn't come from God. You know what God wants me to do with that? wants me to get rid of it, because I don't need to be thinking about those kind of things. And so it's important that we control what we think about. Sometimes, case in point, my wife and I had a conversation this morning, and she may get upset with me because I said, it it was a misunderstanding. She had planned something. I had planned something different. And the reason that we weren't on the same page is because we didn't communicate. And so She thought that maybe I was upset because she had planned this. And then I thought that she was upset because I had had a different, something different planned. And so it was this, I was this thing that wasn't really a real issue. It was something that was just miscommunication. And so we have to be able to communicate those things. You have to communicate with yourself sometimes. Hey, is this legitimate? Is this real? Is there something that's, that's going on that, that there's wrong. And so Satan wants to come in and cause confusion Scripture says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians that God is a God of clarity, not a God of confusion. That happens because we need to be able to communicate with folks. All right, number five. Fifth thing that we need to look at, these last two are the things that you actually pick up. Everything else you actually wear on your body, but these last two are items that we hold in our hand in the first uh, um, piece of armor that we're going to talk about is this shield of faith. The Scripture says that we're able to, to extinguish the, the fiery arrows of, of Satan. And one of the things that that the word that is mentioned there in in uh, chapter not, not chapter uh, chapter six verse five uh, verse sixteen it says, in addition to this, take up the shield of faith. One of the things that was going on in Paul's life right then is that he was incarcerated and he knew the people in the churches around knew that he was incarcerated and so they were maybe fearful about what was going on with him. They were praying for him. They were fearful for their own lives about what was going on with the Christian church, but he wanted to remind them that we needed to, to remain faithful. The shield that the Roman soldier would wear or hold was basically a three by four rectangular um, piece of wood that was topped with leather and then had a little thin piece of metal on top of it that he would be able to protect himself from swords, from knives, from arrows that were flying his way. But one of the things that I discovered when I was preparing for this message was these Shields had a unique distinction on them. They had these little clips. They had like a little hook on either side that would be able to hook up next to the soldier with his shield and then to the soldier to this side with his shield. And so they could actually line up all the way across. They could hold them up a little bit more. A soldier down here could protect their feet. A soldier could put one on top. And they could basically have a complete wall protection around them from the enemy. They got me to thinking, you know, it's important for me to remain faithful. It's important for me to remember that I need to be walking by faith and what God wants to do in my life. But it's also vital for us as a body of believers to link up. It's important for us as a body of believers to say, hey, my shield is important and it's doing its job, but I sure could use some help. I I could use a brother or I could use a sister to come along beside to be able to pray for me to be able to encourage, to hold accountable. And so when those shields come together, think about what the enemy sees when you have shield after shield after shield. They're stacked on top of each other, and they're progressing towards the line, the enemy line. What do you think they're thinking? Man, they're they're protected. They're making advancement. That's exactly what happens in our lives, guys, when we link together and we're moving forward against the things of Satan. He knows that he's going to lose scripture already tells us that we have the victory it's time for us as a church it's time for us as individual believers to start acting like that moving forward towards the enemy lines holding that shield of faith knowing that we're going to penetrate that line that we're going to have victory it's time for us to start walking that way i believe that the way that we do that is the next item that we're going to talk about and it's the only offensive weapon that we see in this whole armor of God. And that's God's word. That's the sword that we have right here. When I work at a place, I work at a prison in Bryan. And I have, it's a, it's a, it's a federal prison. And I work with, there's like 600 female offenders that are housed there. And each week, there's a new group that comes in, and one of the very first things they do is they come to the chapel, and you know what they ask for? They ask for one of these. Okay? We have a ministry called Prison Fellowship that we can send an email to them, and we can say, hey, I need 25 new Bibles. And in a week or a week and a half, in a big box, sitting right outside the chapel door, are a box of bibles that i'm able to hand out to every person who comes in it's important that every person that's incarcerated there have their own bible it's important for each one of us to have one of these it's important that we don't just do this with it put it on our chest and say okay god teach me what you want me to know Put it on our head and say, God, teach me what you want me to know. I know it's tempting, okay? I know sometimes our schedules are full, and we're just going here and there, and we wish that it could work like that, but it doesn't, okay? I'm sorry. We have to be in this. And so in order for us to handle this sword correctly, there are some things I think that we need to hear. First one is that we need to, how do we, how do we become more effective with this is that we have to read it. Wait a minute. I mean, I don't just set it on my, on my counter when I get home from church today and then pick it up next Sunday when I come next Sunday maybe sometimes that happens, but that's not, that's not the best thing. We need to make sure that we're in this. And there's a, there's an app on your phone. I guarantee you probably everybody in this room has a, a, a smartphone. There's an app called U version. You can download this app and you can download the Bible. And then at the bottom of this app, you can actually hit a button and it, somebody will read this to you. Okay. They can read it, it with an accent. Okay you want a British accent, they can read it with a British. I think they may even have Texan. Now, I'm not exactly sure, but if that's what you want, then somebody can read that Bible to you. So if you're getting ready in the morning, you're shaving, brushing teeth, doing your makeup, your hair, whatever, you can push play and you can take in God's word when you're getting ready first thing in the morning. You go to bed at night, last thing you hear before you go to sleep you can push play and hear God's Word each and every day. We have to read this, okay? We've got to make sure that we know what God's Word says. Second thing I want you to see, in want for us to be able to handle this sort appropriately, is that we've got to study. Not only does God want us to, to read it, but He wants us to hang out in God's Word. It's, re- it's real good for us to be able to spend some time in there. But how much more beneficial would it be in our lives if we understood what the writer meant, what the writer meant then, what he means now? How does this apply to my life? And so, real quick, I heard this a long time ago. I taught this to teenagers when I was a youth pastor. Whenever you read a passage you want to kind of study, you ask yourself the five, the, the five questions. Who, what, when, why, where? You ask yourself those things, and if you don't know the answer to those questions... Who wrote it or who was it written to? When was it written? Uh, What was the the main point behind it? There's this new thing that you can use uh, to help you get those answers. Oh, man. Um, The Internet. That's what it's called. Um, You can actually Google those things to be able to find out. What, what was the author like? What was, his, what was his, where was he from? Why did he write these books? When did he write these? Who was the audience? All those, ask yourself those questions. And, and surprisingly, the Spirit of God works this way. Whenever you do study, whenever you do spend some time in God's Word, you will have a conversation not too long after you do that for God to be able to use what you've studied to be able to speak truth and hope and life into somebody's life. Spend some time reading God's word. Spend some time studying his word. Spend some time memorizing God's word. Psalms 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not what? Sin. Sin against you. Wow. If I memorize God's word, that keeps me from sinning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have done something wrong? Here, participation award. Okay. Everybody, everybody raise their hand. Everybody's done something wrong. Okay. Let me ask you a, a little a question that digs a little bit more. How many of you, when you were doing something wrong or about to do something wrong, you heard a little birdie or felt this little thing saying, man, you shouldn't go there. Man, you shouldn't do that. Anybody, just me? Anybody? Okay. We've all felt that, right? Okay. God's word, if it's, if we've read it and we we've, we've hung out in here a little bit we understand what God's word says and we're about to do something we shouldn't do. God's word has a way of coming back to us and say, Hey, dummy, speaking to me, not to you. Okay. You shouldn't be doing that. God gives us an out. God gives us a way of escape. If we just do what he's called us to do, to take on this armor to be in the Word, to handle this sword correctly and appropriately. The last thing I want to share with you is that once we do those, we read, we study, we, we memorize, it's important for us to share that with folks. Oh, my goodness. Share God's Word. And, and what the beautiful thing is that when you read through this, the Spirit of God will remind you. So when someone's going through something, you have a conversation at home, you're having a conversation at work, you're having a conversation with a friend you haven't talked to in a little bit, you can use the word that God has given you and just give somebody hope. Just give somebody a word of encouragement. This armor is invaluable. This armor is our success. This armor is our victory if we use it correctly. The beautiful part about this armor and that we miss in the English language in this particular passage is that we we kind of hear this put on the armor of God, and we think it's a it's a daily kind of thing. We get up in the morning like we do now. We take a shower, brush our teeth, get dressed, put our shoes on, and then head off into the world. But this, the concept behind putting on the armor is something that you put on and you leave on. It's not something that you ever take off. You don't get home at night, take off your shoes, kick back in the recliner, and just relax for a little bit. It's something that you leave on because why? Satan doesn't ring your doorbell at 2 o'clock on, on Tuesday, or Tuesday afternoon at 6 o'clock saying, Hey, tomorrow night at 7, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do something. I'm going to tempt you. He doesn't do that. And so we have to be ready all the time. We have to be ready. So that, that, this image of keeping this armor on is something that we need to hang on to and that we, we need to remember. In closing, I want to share uh, a, a story about how I believe that a community of people can make a gigantic difference when we link up, when we link our shields together. About 10, 12 years ago, I was invited to be a part of an organization called um, the Patriot Guard Riders, and some of you may be familiar with those, some of you may not. Uh, It was formed in response to an organization um, in the Midwest that were boycotting funerals for military folks that had... Passed away in the line of duty, veterans that had served, uh, first responders. And so this Patriot Guard, these riders would gather together, they would go to the funeral, whether it was at a nursing or a funeral home or a church or a graveside, and they would link arms standing side by side and they would hold flags and they would keep these protesters at bay away from the actual funeral service. I was able to go to a funeral of a young man from Smithville who had passed away in line of duty. He was in the Marine Corps. And we were able to stand out outside the cemetery far enough. We, if there were any protesters, that they wouldn't have access to the family. And I got to thinking, that's a beautiful picture of a body of believers. That when we have people in our congregation that have, that have, experienced tragedy they've experienced heartache they've experienced these devastating things that can happen a divorce loss of a child loss of a spouse whatever it is that we have a body of believers that want to to link shields that want to stand shoulder to shoulder with each other as a support as a protection for folks that's what cross point wants to be that's what cross point is for a lot of people I don't know if you have a church home or not. Maybe you're just kind of checking it out. Maybe you're watching online and and checking to see what's going on here. But this is a congregation. This is a body of believers that puts on this armor and keeps on this armor. doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it does mean that we have a desire to follow after the things of God. And that's something that you want to be a part of. We want you to be a part of that. I love when Chris got here one of the very first things that he told us As a church, he said, no perfect people allowed. Okay, (laughs) check. I, 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 I match that and I can check that box. That's a beautiful, beautiful image for us is that we are imperfect people serving a perfect God, trying to become more and more and more like him. And the way that we do that is make sure this armor is part of our dress, that we're dressed for success. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this picture of we see in Ephesians 6 where Paul is sitting in a jail or a prison. And he's seeing this Roman soldier and he sees the armor and how you speak to him. And he writes this down 2,000 years later. We're able to read it. And apply those truths in our own lives. That those pieces of armor that protect us, that guarantee victory. There are so many armies or so many uh, military units that go off into battle, and they're not guaranteed success. But Father, Your Word tells us that we can be victorious if we rely on You. And so, Father. As a church, we want to love our community. We want to love the people of Grange and Fayette County and beyond. Linking shields together for their protection, to wrap our arms around them, God, to let, the, let them know that we care about them and that we love them because of you. Bless this church, Father. Bless this time as we have a chance to respond to the message we have a chance to respond to this worship there are stations across the sanctuary for you to participate write down something that's been a struggle for you and pin it to the cross in the back of the sanctuary light a candle and say a prayer for something that's going on for god to give you strength for god to give you victory communion whatever it is father give us a chance to respond now brother speak to us in jesus name amen Thank you for joining us for the Crosspoint Community Church podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.